Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. And now, it's time for Inside Conan, an important Hollywood podcast. Hello and welcome to Inside Conan, an important Hollywood podcast. I'm Mike Sweeney, a writer on Conan, and... I'm Jesse Gaskell, also a writer on Conan. This is the podcast about all things Conan-related. Yes, so thank God we work there, because it helps. It does help. It does give us a leg up, yes. Sweeney, I saw you in real life this morning. Uh, that's right. We saw each other. We had yeah in person. We had coffee together. We did. You were wearing a pea coat and a scarf. You looked very fall. There's really never an excuse to wear a scarf ever in L.A. Maybe in the last thousand years, but there's not. But it's a good thing to have around in case you need to strangle someone. Exactly. You were. I don't. You know what? I think I. I have a blindness for what people are are dressed in. It's probably for the best. Right. You were in a pants ensemble. Is that it was. how you say it? I was wearing trousers. Uh-huh, trousers. And a sweater. Very nice. Yeah, we got together with some other Conan writers. Yep. Just to catch up. That was fun. Gossip a little bit. And gossip is a very loose term. We, there's no... <laughs> we were hoping to drum some up. Because this show seems like it could be a good delivery system for gossip. <laughs> if we had our act together. And then also, I mean, this is actually a pretty big piece of news. Um, next week on November 3rd, Conan's going to be recording the first live taping of Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend yes. here in Los Angeles. Yeah, at the Wiltern Theater. At the Wiltern Theater, yeah. Yeah, it's like a 2,000-seat theater, so that's going to be wild. Have you been involved with that at all? No, I, I got sent the rundown for the show. Okay, so yeah. It's basically a live version of the podcast, which I think, yeah. I assume is what all his fans would want. Yeah. He's probably... Going to be very excited to be back in I'm front of a sure live audience. I'm sure he is. Yes. I feel like once he hears that crowd. Oh, boy. It's really going to get him going. Oh, boy. It's going to be only live podcasts <laughs> from now on. <laughs> yeah, every single night. Huh, wait. I think I'm describing a late night show. <laughs> but yeah, so that's going to be in, in LA. But if you can't make it, they are going to release that, of right. course. Yes. Wherever you get your podcast. Mm -hmm. And more importantly yeah. than Conan's podcast is our show. Oh, right, right, right. Inside Conan, because we have an excellent show today. I'm very excited about today's show. Me too. It's our second episode of season three. And one thing we didn't get to cover in season one and two, the musical guests on The Conan Show, which, yes. you know, 28 years of late night television, musical guests on the show were such a big part of the show. 
they were. It was often where like huge bands would get their first booking. Right, on television. Yeah. I mean, one of those bands early on was Radiohead. The very first band, and we're going to hear all about that. Yes. Yeah, and it was before OK Computer, and, you know, their big hit was Creep, I think, at the time. Right. It was a band that was going places. (laughs) What we're leading up to as our big guest today is uh, Mr. Jim Pitt, Mm -hmm. who was the music booker on Late Night with Conan, on The Tonight Show with Conan O'Brien, and on The Conan Show. For 24 years, yeah. Yep. And currently, now he's the music producer on the Jimmy Kimmel Show. Jimmy Kimmel Live, yeah. Mm -hmm. So we're going to get right into it with Mr. Jim Pitt. Hi, welcome, Jim. Hello, guys. It's great to see you (laughs) both. Yeah, good to see you again. I miss you guys. Yeah, Yeah, I miss you too. Us too. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Those are legitimate kisses. They're not Euro kisses. Right. But so you were there from the very beginning. I was. I was there. Uh, One of the lifers. I'm a, I, I, I was a Conan lifer. I started mm-hmm. working on the show. Well, I worked with Conan at SNL Ah, when, when he was a writer there. And That's um, interesting. I didn't know that the writers would interact with the music booker. Well, when Conan started, I, I had that experience that I think a lot of people do with him. I remember going home and telling my wife, like, I, I met a guy today who's like maybe one of the funniest people I've ever met, <laughs> which I know sounds crazy, but right. he, like, I don't know. Yeah, I, that's I, true. I, I did, not that I'd spent that much time with him, but I, we definitely connected. And it's not like we became best friends, but, you know, at SNL, especially for a young, a new writer like that, when you would identify someone who was sort of nice and supportive and, you know. And a good right. laugher. A good laugher, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. You get a pair of handcuffs. He was like, I got a live one. Yeah. yeah. So we, so, and of course, Smigel worked at, at SNL. Uh, so Robert Smigel. Robert and I worked together my entire time at, at SNL. Uh, you know, we were, we were pals and uh, mm-hmm. got to know Conan a little bit. And so when... The opportunity came up, um, but and so each season, like the year after I started, I, I got a job in the talent department, and then the next season, I got I became a talent coordinator and just sort of worked my way up to music booking, right? Which is what I did the last few years I was there, and so you know when Letterman was leaving, it was obviously a huge deal. You know, we all know the story, obviously. Right, and he was leaving NBC. And they're leaving NBC, and they were, and Lauren was given the hour to, to, and to find, you know, given the 1230 show. Charged with picking Letterman's replacement. I'm assuming that everybody read Bill Carter. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, when he chose Conan, I was thrilled because, for Conan and, and knowing that Robert was involved. And I, I knew that Jeff Ross was going to be involved, and I knew Jeff a little bit. So... I saw that as an opportunity to do something musically or A, to be part of a cool startup. And yeah. Were you like, I don't know how much longer SNL is going to last. Anyway. I know. <laughs> Listen, I did the calculus and I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's no way it could go beyond 95. Yeah. Yeah. No, but no, the, the, uh, the second element was that music wise, I always thought the 12 third, like the letter on the Letterman show, they were able to do a much more varied lineup, you know, SNL had to be big, big, big. In terms of the musical acts. Yeah. And what appealed to me was, you know, doing stuff that was sort of all over the map and a little more eclectic and mm-hmm. 
Um, so finding new talent. Yeah. So Conan, they did a press conference at the, um, his opening press conference was at the rainbow room where he was introduced. Uh And I, I ran into he and Smigel up there and said, Hey, you know, I'd love to be a part of this show. And you know, one thing led to another. You just happened to be dancing up there. (laughs) I was. (laughs) Uh, That was a fortuitous uh, moment, I guess. It was. And then, and you know, I spoke to Lauren and he sort of gave his blessing for me to, to, Mm -hmm. to change shows. And so, I was part of the first, I mean, uh, Paula Davis, myself, who was a head talent booker. Talent producer. Yeah. There were only a handful of us, but we were there, I would say, and like the show went on in September. We were there in like July yeah. uh, for the startup. Were you like, well, the show's coming on in September, it's July. I'll get around to looking at bands like, you know, late <laughs> August. Yeah, exactly. There's no yeah. rush. Kona requested the first guest that was on well, late yes, night. Well, yes, yes. I mean- he has distilled it down to like, they told me I could have whoever I want. I mean, it was, <laughs> that, <laughs> that, that was in a way. Within reason, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure. Conan all that summer while we were in the office, it's, it's sort of a, a well-known story now, but he, as he always does, walked around with his guitar, but the song that he was more obsessed with than any was Creep. Sure. <laughs> so that was 1993, and I remember him doing that in 2021. <laughs> Last week. Right, right. So he's been doing it for 30 years and still hasn't improved. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, you have to remember, they weren't yet Radiohead. Right. You know, they were They were another was band. Was that the was, year their first album came out? Creep was the single, was the current single. Wow. Yeah. So And yes, it's when that, that album came out. So... I, you know, went right out to Capitol Records and said, hey, you know, everyone's aware of the new show and like, hey, we'd love for them to be the first music guest. And uh, and it, so it wasn't really a huge get at the time. I mean, yes, they had a big hit and Conan loved it. Right. But they just as easily could have been. They could have been a one hit wonder. Could have been, yeah. <laughs> you know, Urge Overkill or, one, you know, The Breeders, or, <laughs> and, and, you know, any other band that we had on in those right. weeks, you know. But of course, yeah. in retrospect, it looks genius and it's, it's yeah. awesome. Totally. I, love, yeah. I love it. I mean, it's, it's just a great, uh, it's a great legacy and a great, it was a great kickoff for music on the show. And it, it, yeah, and Conan loved it. So did Conan try to play Creep with them? on the show did he want to do that no no <laughs> you know I, I don't know if you Sweens, you remember probably jesse i don't know if you've watched many of the old music clips or remember them from when they aired but the first year on the show one of conan and robert's ideas was to have footage like stock footage playing on a screen behind the bands right and, oh, weird um, yes <laughs> just non sequitur ridiculous you know uh, and was it like a menu that the bands could choose from? Yes. Mm. We, we gave them our film researcher. I don't recall who it was at the time, but right. would give us, gave us a list of here, are these, right. you know? And so I remember it's taking, like when you do karaoke and there's always just sort of, like, is, exactly. Yeah. Oh. So we took random stock footage. Yeah. We took Radiohead up to the ninth floor conference room and, um, you know, showed them a few of the different options and they chose, cars driving around in circles very slow like in slow motion and so Uh that's what appears behind them uh on their first conan appearance that's so strange yes i love how random it is (laughs) but the other the other some of the other ones were like uh, s- scenes of uh, people g- having dental work done. <laughs> oh. 
uh, I, I, yeah. Businessmen that, handshaking after an important deal. Exactly. Those are, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The dental work was for like folk acts. <laughs> Someone used it eventually. I can't remember who. Jim, do you remember from early on uh, what was your first big get that you were like, oh my God, I can't believe we well, booked this person? It's a good question. The, the first few months were sort of a combination of alternative acts, like a lot of new acts. Mm -hmm. the, the premiere of the show really coincided with sort of the alternative scene, you know, early 90s. Then there were a lot of bands. Yeah. And Letterman, when they moved to CBS, they made the decision that, you know, we're only going after big artists. Right. So it did leave a door open to us to have a lot of these bands on that, you know, maybe would have done Letterman previously. Right. So the first few months, it's a combination of, of newer artists like Radiohead. I'm looking at the first couple of weeks. Um, yeah. Urge Overkill, The Breeders, Sheryl Crow, mm -hmm. her debut. Yeah. Oh, is that she true? Done, Sheryl Crow had done a test show for us a few weeks before we went on the air. Oh, wow. Yeah. Did she have her giant hit song yet? No, no, no. She was a new artist. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, I think I made a deal with the guy at A&M Records. And, it, you know, will she do, if she does this test show, we'll book her a few weeks later on the actual show, you know? Mm -hmm. Right, right. It's people like that, Bare Naked Ladies and, and mm -hmm. the, cram, oh, right. the Cranberries. I mean, that was there. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and Bjork. Oh, what stock footage did Bjork choose? Oh, that's, that's a good question. <laughs> we should find that. It was the, those people combined with like Les Paul, Ruth Brown, like all these old timers who are some great, legends, great legends. Some legends. Yeah. yeah mm -hmm. I mean, Les Paul played and paneled like second week of the show, I think. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. So some of those sound like big bookings in retrospect because of who they became. Right. But the first one that because he had had a career renaissance and he kind of brought some class to the joint was Tony Bennett. He did us oh, first yeah. Christmas. And I remember f feeling like, okay, here's, cause he was happening again. And, and he was right. Tony Bennett and all, he was a sort of a combination of both of those things, you know, old and new. And, uh, and it really felt like now it's a real show now, you know, we got Tony this Bennett. Is class. Yeah. So, and then he did the show 16 years in a row at Christmas. I always remember. I, that's how I knew it was Christmas <laughs> that Tony Bennett <laughs> was hanging out in the 6A yeah. hallway all day. Yeah. He seemed very friendly and, and, and chill. He, he was, he was. So that, that, that was the first one that felt like a, a big deal. Right. But then like a couple of months later, well, again, they were a new band, but like Green Day made their first TV appearance a couple months later. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know what you are really pointing out, you know, because of the passage of time, it's hard to, when you hear these names, you're like, oh, well, they were already famous. Uh, no, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's so cool. But they were just like, uh people with a demo CD that <laughs> right. Yeah. They were new artists. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Um, of course, Conan loved them from the first time they were on, but yeah. So it was, it was a real mixed bag and paneling them was, uh, was adventurous, especially with some of the, uh, well, some of the younger bands, it was awesome because there, it made for some great moments. Like there's a great clip that we ran. The breeders were on right again they had paneled with Conan like the second week of the show. Uh, sometimes 
back then there'd be like, oh, we still have time to kill. Mm-hmm. And so let's talk to the musical guest. Exactly. Is that how that happened? Or was this planned in advance that, that the breeders would inter- get interviewed by Conan? I think at first it was planned. I think there was a thought that like, yeah, let's talk to the music guests. Yeah. Then it did turn more into, you know, Jeff would say, you know, see if we can get a few minutes from, you know, whoever. Right. Just in case we needed the time. Got it. As an option. We talked to a lot of people and it's one of the funniest was Dick Dale, who was like, um, you know, a great guitar, guitar legend. The big surf, surf, kind of surf guitar pioneer. Yeah. And Conan, you know, Conan being a guitar guy, just loved, you know, having those guys on. Dwayne Eddy and, and, you know, people like that. Right. And right. Uh, Dick Dale is sort of a maniac and to- told these great stories. And then halfway through, you realize, like, like he is full of shit. Like, I know that's not true. He <laughs> 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 told the story about Ed Sullivan. And, you know, the reason he stood that way is because he got shot in the war. And like, <laughs> I was like, Ed Sullivan, I don't think he's in the army. <laughs> <laughs> the reason he was hunched over this was before wikipedia <laughs> yes exactly yeah but 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 you know the guest situation in those days was you know it was challenging the lead guest right situation so we often did have time i remember one and there was a thought to keep guests on the panel yes after their segment to stay out yes ha- try to have some intermingling yeah but i, I remember like one day it was like bob vila and bare naked ladies <laughs> <laughs> like, putting together Legos or something. I can't remember what. I was like, wow. Right. This is something. <laughs> Those are still, I mean, that the idea behind that is great. It's like, it let's is. put these disparate people out there on a couch. Mm-hmm. And who knows what will happen. It was good. And it, it, it got Conan, yeah. you know, sort of, people took notice, I will say, in the industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. So, and by the next spring, there was an article in Billboard about the music on the show and we definitely started to see, you know, the demand. Right, to play on the show. Yeah, to get on the to get on Conan definitely picked up. Did that make your job harder or easier? Because now you have to deal with... It's a double-edged sword. Sure. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah, it does. Uh, yeah. It's nice to have the options. And of course, if the names are bigger, I mean, that, that's, that was always a goal too. Right. Of course, it's... You know, as the years went on, the names got much bigger. Right. And, you know, by the mid-aughts, yeah. you know, we had U2 for a whole show and, you know, a week of Neil Young and mm-hmm. the White Stripes. Right. The White Stripes were there for a whole week, right? They were. Wow. Yeah. 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 I remember that. We did the Strokes. We did a residency every Monday for a month. We did the Strokes. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I know. <laughs> so, they, they yeah. By the third week, it's like, oh, those guys again. They leave a mess in the dressing room. Uh. But we still did a fair amount of, you know, like the James Browns of the world. Elton John I did the show. That. Yes, I, yeah. I remember feeling he did his single, and then they the rep actually asked me, like, what do you want to do as a second song? <gasps> a request. <laughs> I said, would he do border song? And he did it alone on piano. Oh, was, that's amazing. Yeah, no, it, it was it was awesome. Beautiful. Uh, you know, Bowie, of course, was. Yeah, Bowie was on the show a bunch. David Bowie, that was always exciting. That's one of my favorite just yeah. things is that David Bowie liked us enough to keep coming back and doing comedy. Yes. And, you know, when he passed away, we had, had a great sense of humor. We had that montage that was just killer, you know? Uh, 
Yeah. 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 From his interviews, which was great. Yeah. He did. We used to do a bit with celebrities who were on the show. So many of the comedy pitches were like, ah, this guy's already going to be here. They're trapped like rats. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to make him do comedy for us. I remember one, there's a writer, Greg Cohen, and I had this idea. And, and a lot of times, it, writers pitch things for musical acts they love. So we, you know, we love David Bowie, mm. like, you know, who didn't? But the idea was David Bowie, years before he went into music, was in a comedy team <laughs> with Baltimore <laughs> Oriole baseball manager Earl Weaver, who was kind of this legendarily crank, cranky, you know, kicking the dirt at umpire manager. And we thought, oh, my God, if we could get the two of them. I don't know how we thought this would ever happen <laughs> in what universe. Like, we, David Bowie, if you say yes, all we have to do is fly you to Baltimore. <laughs> I mean, it didn't even make sense. And I remember we kept repitching it to you, like, any word? And we'd be like, we knew Bowie, we thought Bowie was the easier get. We're like, well, we... We'll get Bowie on board, and then we'll yeah. use Bowie as leverage with baseball Earl manager Weaver. Earl Weaver. I hope that Jim never pitched that to Bowie. I'm sure I did. I'm sure I did. <laughs> on ones that I was like excited about or felt had a better shot, right? I would be. Here's a great idea for the writers. The other, the other version would be the writers have asked me to forward. This. I'm contractually <laughs> obligated. <You're right. laughs> Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I remember this one got done because it was it was funny. But remember when we had uh, it was a bit where we had the Max Weinberg seven distracting Hootie and the Blowfish. Yes. <laughs> during their performance, and one of the beats was Max squeezing a teat and it squirting milk on Darius Rucker's face. What? <laughs> and they said yes. 
The bit was called The Band is Jealous. The Band is Jealous. And it was the idea that Max and the the, the guys are like jealous of all the musical guests that come on because they have to sit there and watch. (laughs) So, yeah. So we do pre-tapes. Like you're saying, we had a live milk cow in the studio <laughs> with Max getting down and pulling up he a teat and real squeezing milk. it. And then you'd cut to Darius oh, Rucker yeah. getting blasted in the face with right. milk. Yeah, I don't remember if it was Darius or one of the other guys in the band, but so, it was so, someone, one of the blowfish got right, right. blasted with um, fresh milk. <laughs> with, oh, wow. Homogenized. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Chilled milk. It was totally... I mean, one of the best music comedy and, and bits ever on Conan was Slipknuts. Yes. Yes. Which took over a year. Oh, the tribute album to Slipknuts. Yes. I should just explain what Slipknuts is if people don't know. It was, I think it was one of those last minute, we're sitting in the, the writer's room and, you know, there's a board with all the guests. And sometimes we look at the guests for the week and think of ideas for that. And Slipknot... The band was going to be on uh, probably the next night. <laughs> and uh, I don't know who came up with the idea, but it was John Glazer, Stack, uh, Andy Blitz, and Brian Stack, three hilarious writer performers at the time. They pitched this bit called, Oh, Conan made a mistake. He double booked <laughs> Slipknot with the comedy troupe Slipknuts. And then they wrote a little act which lasted 15 seconds, which was them singing a song. Where the slip nuts, and then one of them falls down, and they go, oh, and they throw peanuts on the floor, yeah, we're and they go, on nuts. We're, right, <laughs> we're slipping mm-hmm. on nuts, and then someone falls down and goes, look, he fell down, and he goes, I slipped on a nut, and that was it, <laughs> and that was their whole act, and Conan would keep rebooking them, and they kept doing the same act, so you know, and Conan would get that fake frustration, but <laughs> anyway, Andy Blitz, I think, came to you and pitched. After they'd been on a few times, hey, can we get real musical acts to do a tribute to that Slipknot song? <laughs> yeah, and the way we went about it, which was great, was that when a band was in-house, like you're saying, right, Trapped. that's when we would pitch. Yeah, that's when we would really, we didn't try to go out and shoot them in other places. It was when, right. while they were there and on the stage, you know, all set to go. Right. And over the course of, I'd say more than a year, even Debbie Wonder was the music production coordinator at that time. Right. So I would book the bands and hand them off to her, and she dealt with you know all of the production. So, and I was living in Nashville for part of this time at Conan and commuting one week a month. And, oh wow! Uh, so she did a lot of. The, I have to give her credit. You you were a pandemic pioneer years before. I was a pioneer. <laughs> yes, presume. Sorry. So yeah, you'd, you'd kind of hand off the... Yeah. So between us, we booked all of these artists over, over the course of a year or so. And the result was, it, it was awesome. I mean, it, it was really funny. And you had big names. You had like Coldplay. Yeah. Patty, Patty Smith, Smith did it. I know. Wow. I know. John Mayer did it. Yeah. Yeah. Los Lobos. Steve Winwood. Yeah. Now, Los Lobos. Yeah. It's unbelievable. And I remember how painstaking it was to put that together, you know, because I think a lot of acts said no. Yes. Believe it or not. Believe it or not, some acts weren't going to sing the tribute song. Well, you know, anytime you're booking a thing with multiple 
right. artists or it's, as soon as you get one or two, you have to have somebody to start. You yeah. Know? What is, I can't believe Cold, yeah. Coldplay at, the, <laughs> at kind of the height of Coldplay. I mean, Coldplay is another one. <laughs> Go, just going back to like their first TV appearance in the States was, you know, they did Yellow on our show. Wow. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah. Wow. John Mayer is another one. Who yeah. Just, yeah. We had a, a good run of first TV appearances. John Mayer loves comedy. Like he he would always say yes if you pitched uh, a comedy bit to him. I was saying that you know the show, the music on the show got some notice and right. it became a bigger thing in the industry eventually to the point where we we were offered the opportunity to make an album of Conan music performances. Yeah. Wow. Bowie was on there. Bjork. That was called Live from 6A. It was. Which yes. was oh, in the, cool. the studio. Yeah, yeah. That was great. I remember that came out. There's a big party for it. Mm -hmm. Was there a lot of politicking and stuff for what songs would go on that album? Like, I can't even imagine. Mm. We just went out to a ton of people. And yes, it was not, not easy, but right. the sound on the show was great. People were fans of Conan. And uh, when David Bowie said yes, yeah. you know, that it sort of, that again, opened up the kind of grease the skids for other yeah. people. And, and a great chance to repitch Bowie Weaver. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what an opportunity for you in so many ways. Bonus track, yes. Right, of, of, of course. <laughs> well, you mentioned the great sound. I remember the night you two was on the show, and they I think they played four songs, mm -hmm. and they did, Bono did the year 2000, and mm. they were great. That's right. But I remember I, I was editing something that night, and was in the hallway at like 10.30 at night. And they they stayed three or four hours after the taping mm -hmm. to remix or, or re-engineer all of their songs for the show. And I, oh, wow. I was kind of blown away by that. Yeah, yeah. They were uh, right up until we delivered it for air. You know, it was right up against the deadline. Uh, but but they were super involved, yeah. Yeah, that was uh, that was impressive, you know, just to see that attention to detail. Yeah. I, w I was thinking about that show and the Neil Young week, which believe it or not, were Neil Young did the show for a full week. Right. For every night for a week. Mm -hmm. Those were weeks apart in, in 2005. And it made me think that and the, and the white stripes week, things like that. We were open to like, we were not an automatic. No, I think, you know, in their marketing meetings, they probably have these ideas all the time go to Letterman and see if they'll do a full week go and do it. And like, we were the show that would be like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. We'll That's it. a whole week. We don't have to book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jim Pitt is enthusiastically nodding his head. Yes. <laughs> is it true that the white stripes last live performance was on our show? Yes. Wow. Our final late night show. Right. They were our last guests before we moved uh, to California. Yep, and that was the last time they performed together. And they broke up after that, yeah. Sweens, do you, I was trying to think when I was preparing for this, I was thinking of like, so many of the stories, of course, are about things that went great. And then there were some moments that were, do you remember when the band Goldfinger was on? And, yes. And the, the guy, that's this clip, we didn't post it, but it's on, you can see it on YouTube. So the song is over, right? And Conan goes over. Mm-hmm. Like he'd always walk across over to the band and right. say, "Hey, that was great," and and kind of shake hands with the band members while they go out to commercial and something. What happened at that? Uh, well, the super he was super enthusiastic. I think it was a drummer yeah. came around and like gave Conan a big hug, and Conan's playing along. You know, he's having fun with right. him, and mm -hmm. and the guy lifts him up 
And Conan goes over his shoulder. This is obviously a big guy. Right. Falls onto the stage <gasps> on his head. Oh, my God. You know, we are horrified. But he jumps up <gasps> right away and says, I'm okay. And, right. You know, <laughs> I mean, literally, before we even went to commercial, he was, it, it was clear that he was okay. But it was scary. How often did the guests themselves want to perform again after? Like, because you taped the performance and then... You know, would they ever come to you and be like, we, we really got to do that again? Yes. Yeah, I remember instances of that. Yeah, yeah. Jeff was not in favor of shooting again, usually. And so <laughs> right. it had to be... Got a reservation. Yeah, you know, I want to get Conan out of there. And I get it. You know, right. he just wanted to rap and get the crew out. And it's costing us yeah. money and all that. I, I totally get it. But it had to be, you know, a string breaks or an amp breaks or because mm -hmm. the band sometimes would. Or maybe they were off key or something. But if it was something imperceptible to us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. we would. Sorry, guys. Yeah, yeah. It was, and Rowie, who was Rowie Hershkovitz, who became the new Debbie Wonder when she left. Yes. Yeah, he, he would be the one uh, dealing with that usually. So, right. Um, oh, I see. That's good. It's good to have a buffer. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yes. Well, you were in Nashville. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> even if you were upstairs, it'd be like, a Jim's working today from Nashville. It's funny because when I was not on site, which was, you know, a fair amount of the time, there was no, you couldn't watch the show on Zoom. And I didn't have, we didn't mm -hmm. have the technology to, for me to watch it while it was happening. Right. So I would just sort of at 5.20 central time, I would wait for Debbie or Rowie to say, all good. If Jeff was going to text or call or email, that was when it was going to happen. Or after the post-mortem, after the post-show meeting. Uh-huh. There was, there was one time I booked this band, the Polyphonic Spree. Yeah. Who were great. It was like 12 people. It yeah. It was 16. And 16 people. Wow. The, sort of their shtick was that they were a cult and they all wore mm -hmm. white robes. <laughs> and I had forgotten to mention that part to Conan or Jeff <laughs> in advance of the booking <laughs> after the and and they the band they were in character all afternoon basically oh, you boy. know oh. so 16 people and I kind of love that <laughs> so Jeff which totally made sense was like you got to give us a heads up on these you things, were, you, you booked know. a cult guilty <laughs> no more improv yeah <laughs> Mike when you mentioned YouTube being there late it reminds me of the, uh, remember the blackout? Yes, the, the, there was a blackout, and I I think that I remember the band that was on that night. There was a blackout moments before we were about to tape the show. Yeah, and so Conan did an impromptu like twelve minute show. Yeah. Uh, why? What happened in your? No, I, th I think it was the Dandy. Was it the Dandy, the Dandy Warhols? Warhols, and they ended up. It's funny because you know New York was pretty much it was shut down. Right. We had some fun up in the office for a while after the show. Right. In you the dark. And myself and a few other people. We had a couple of drinks. Right. And then we went out looking to find a place that was open. Anyway, the band did that. They went out, but they couldn't get back to their hotel. So they came back, used their pass, and they slept in the dressing room that night. <laughs> right. I know that's true because. Like, I lived in Brooklyn. I was like, I can't, I, there was no way for me to get home. And I said, well, we have a hotel room for you. And I walked to the hotel room at our, around 11 o'clock. Mm -hmm. And they're like, yes, we have a room for you on the 28th floor. And I was like, great. And they said, so there's the staircase. And I'm like, <laughs> yes. uh, I'm going to sleep in the office. Like, I have an office. <laughs> so I went back to, to 30 Rock and 
there was kind of dim light on the sixth floor where our studio was, generator light. <laughs> so I went into the band dressing room and I was like, oh my God, there's all this food still here, these couch. So I went to bed in the band dressing room and at like two in the morning, <laughs> this, these five guys burst into the room. And I was like, motherfucker, like- what's going on? And this is the, our hotel room. That's how I, I got to meet the Dandy Warhols. Mm. They were great cuddlers. <laughs> so I, I also had jotted down when I was preparing. Yeah. And not not disasters, but in the early days, the lead guest booking was challenging. And, um, and there were some people that we had to give music slots to if we wanted to get them as guests. So, for instance, like Sandra Bernhardt, we had to let her <gasps> sing a song. And oh, wow, that's great. Roger Clinton, which I don't know where that <gasps> came from, but he performed on Bill the show. Clinton's brother, yes. Roger. <laughs> yeah. I forgot he no was a way. musician. He was. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the idea was if, if we ever wanted to get. I think it would be the same show, you know. Uh, right. Uh, and these two wow. are, well, Sybil Shepard, Kathleen Turner, they all sang on the show. Oh, wow. Katie Seagal. Yeah. Yeah. Oh wow. Oh man, I, I didn't know anything. Uh, yeah, yeah. You yeah. broke them for, you broke them first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those, wow. Yeah. But it was sort of like the compromise. Right. The other great compromise stories and sweet I think you'll remember this. One day I get a call from a guy named John Henry Williams. And and I know the name. He's Ted Williams' son. Yeah, the baseball legend. Right. You know, one of the greatest players of all, best hitter of all time. Right. Mm-hmm. Former Boston, Boston Red Sox. Corks Conan, you know, grew up in the shadow of Fenway Park, basically. And he was managing a band. And he said, he put it right out there and said, if you book this band, I can get my dad to do the show. Oh, wow. And, uh, and uh, so I asked Conan, and, you know, I had heard, I'd listened to the band, and it's, I mean, Conan was like, they'd have to be, like, how bad can they be? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and, and we ended up booking him. Ted Williams did the show. and uh, That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't think that's a thing that occurs to people. I'm, I'm sure you had to deal with that, too. You probably can't even talk about it, But there were probably, like, record labels where they're like, oh, you want our big We'll give you this, yeah. Act, you've got to book, sure, book this person. They kind of dangle them, right? Book that, the executive's daughter, yeah. Right. <laughs> it's a power game. It is. Like, the more powerful the show got, all of a sudden that balance probably yes. shifted. Yeah. And then you were the one kind of like, well, you know, we'll see. Well, I, I will say that it's it's usually not as uh, cut and dried as that. It's more, right. you take care of them on their developing artists. And then when the big right. one, you know, as, as opposed to saying, listen, uh, if you want this, you got to do these, you know, right. At least that's not how I operated. Right. And, right. You know? Yeah. Um, and speaking of developing artists, like, would you go back in New York? Like, would you go out? Yeah. Or in Nashville, how would you investigate new acts? Like, did you have a system or would you go to clubs or what it, would it you was do? pretty random? I went to clubs. I, 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 yeah. I went out a lot. I, I mean, I still do. Um, yeah, living in New York, went out all the time. And Nashville, too. I mean, everyone came through Nashville at some point. When mm-hmm. I, right. So when I was living there. It's a great way to get free drinks. By yeah. the <laughs> like, I, Jim I, Pitt's here. I'm the booker, yeah. Well, That is exciting, though. This, you know, kind of like you never know. I mean, if you're truly seeing someone you ha- didn't know anything about. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah it, it makes a difference. It really does. 
Yeah. Um, and I always had to remind myself, like if I was getting complacent, it's also like sometimes you go home and like to crank it up to go out and see something that starts at 10 or 11. Oh my God. You know, it's, well, you that's know, true. It's, yeah. 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 LA is not, I'm stunned at, at like my, my son's in a band and I, I'm just like, Oh, what time are you playing? You know, midnight. He's like, no, uh, seven 30 to seven <laughs> 50. I'm like, oh, okay, we're in L.A. How reasonable. I love a 7.30 showcase or whatever. <laughs> right. Some, yeah, right. It's, it's the best. Yeah. How often would you see an act that you hadn't heard of that you were like, oh, I'm, I'm interested in booking these people? Probably more often at something like South by Southwest, where there were so mm -hmm. many bands playing, uh -huh. uh, so many artists. Going out to see them in New York or, you know, or here in Nashville. It was always they had always been pitched and I'd probably listened to them already, you know, right. It's something like a festival or like Bonnaroo or, but South by, cause it's like, that's the whole was the whole point of South by was to showcase artists, you know? Right. Right. And so I'd come back from there often with a list of people I hadn't seen before. Like, mm -hmm. Oh, I'd like uh -huh. to, you know, we should, we should book them. You know, I, I can't tell you how many times I, someone would like recommend, an act or I'd get into like listening to some music and I'm like, wow, wow they're great. And then I'd Google them and <laughs> you would book them on the They'd show on like the show. two years yes. before. Yeah. I was like, wow. Okay. I'm, but, the, but then it was great. I I'd watch a clip of them on Conan and I was like, ah, I was there <laughs> and I was just oblivious. I was oblivious to it. And now I'm a giant fan. I'm like, <laughs> I wasn't aware of the riches. <laughs> Damn yeah. you pit. <laughs> I could be sure that a band was going to then be like on KCRW if they had been booked on our show. Right, <laughs> right, right. Exactly. <laughs> One other thing I should mention as yeah. far as, especially those early years when we would have some of these people on, the band, the house band, and Max was the band, you know, the band leader, but Jimmy would do the charts and they would recreate, you know, they would have, We I remember when we had Dwayne Eddy on. Uh-huh. They would accompany these artists. Oh, right. That happened a lot. And they would recreate the, the sound perfect, beautifully. You know, I remember when Dwayne Eddy was on and he, he did his big hit, uh, Rebel Rouser, that, you know, that song? Uh, yeah. Da -da 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 -da. It's, it's just a um, instrumental. Now I know it. <laughs> we can edit that out, right? Can you play your <laughs> No, no. Song? Loop it. It's already looped. Yeah, uh, sorry. So go ahead. I remember in rehearsal, they start, you know, so Max and Jimmy, you know, our band was on stage and right, and they went into it. And I would say after a few bars, like you could tell he was like stunned at how good it sounded. Like he turned around wow. because they had recreated, right. like the horn players did these backing vocals and it was just so perfectly done that wow like those guys were such a valuable tool for uh, mm -hmm. moments like that as far as music booking i'm really glad you brought that up because i yeah, i me too. that happened a lot yes. where they would accompany or back up acts how would that have happened would you would would they be aware that we had this great house band or or was it something you always offered as kind of an option we we offered it as an option right it's mm -hmm. sort of you know it's on the menu if, if you need if they don't have a band or if they're only going to be in town by themselves right we just let people know we've got these great musicians and they're available so um right there were some funny moments i mean max ended up playing drums with um 
Death from Above, 1979 was the band's name. And it was, I don't know if he knew what he was getting into, but he's keeping up with them and he's wearing a jacket. And he's having to play so fast that the jacket starts falling off his sleeve, like shimmying out of the jacket. But he hung in, it was great. I mean, he 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 hung in and, and it was a great performance. But um, sometimes, you know, sometimes they needed Mac. Sometimes they needed just the horn. Sometimes they needed right. Mike Merritt and, or, Bass you know, player or Scott. Or, or keyboard. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or a lot of times, wouldn't they just kind of do backup singing too, Yeah, right? yeah. Because they all yeah. had... They're all great singers. Yep. Yeah. Well, there is. We should we talk about Disturbed? <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. The most watched Conan clip of all time is a musical act, right? Yes. Yeah. And it was Disturbed doing a cover of "Sound of Silence." Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which? So, how did that come about? So they had actually been on. The funny thing is that song is unlike anything else that Disturbed does. You know. As, yeah, as you would I know. Think by the name. <laughs> the antithetical. They, they had yeah. to rethink their whole act. <laughs> uh, content, I guess. Uh, <laughs> they had been on the show before, and they had a new album, and. Their publicist uh, pitched it to me, and she said, "Now here's what, but here's what they want to do, and the label will pay for it, which was probably the most important part. They want oh, a 16-piece yeah. string section." Oh wow! Like, okay, because they have this cover that they want to do, and so mm-hmm. you know that took some back and forth to sort out, and it's a big production. We actually shot that once in a while. We would pre-tape music, um, mm-hmm. and that was a case where we we pre-taped music in a, in the morning right? and ran it like a week later or something. And once it posted, it was just insane. It was, and it was a great performance and very mm-hmm. sort of compelling and it caught on. Look at that cello player. <laughs> She's knocking it out of the park. Also an undeniably great song, right. which helps. I mean, yeah. if it was to start doing their new single with a 16 piece <laughs> string section, it wouldn't, Right, you know, right. but it kind of had that like Mannheim steamroller appeal, mm-hmm. you know, just this right, orchestral right, right. thing. And it's nuts. Every once in a while, I go back and peek at this, at the tally, at the numbers. <laughs> That's how it has so many views. Jim Pitt. It's all Jim Pitt. <laughs> <laughs> trying to see if in my notes, if I jotted out down anything else that I wanted to make sure I brought up. Yeah. Um, Wilco is another just great band who oh, they yeah. were so mm-hmm. within the first year we had Uncle Tupelo um on and which was Jeff Tweedy and Jay Farrar. Oh, okay. They split up. I think it was heading in this direction anyway, but the Conan appearance actually led to the that's when the, the shit hit the fan because Oh. The songs were either Jeff Tweedy songs or Jay Farrar songs and they went yeah. with a Jeff Tweedy song and it it was you know it caused a lot of strife and they ended up splitting up and then into Wilco and Sunvolt both of whom we had on many times but Wilco right. you know I love their legacy with Conan you know the, they've been on so many times and they're such a great band right but but yeah that, so we are, an appearance on our show did lead to uh, to the to the split up yeah wow. and it, that for you that's like a stock splitting it's like ah, I, now I have <laughs> I two bands to book. <laughs> This is fantastic. Double the talent, yeah. Let's drive more bands apart. <laughs> Another great name from those uh, early years, I think it was 95, was Jewel. Yeah. She 
you know, made her debut is just got, went on there and uh, playing acoustic guitar. And the funny thing after that was that the next morning, our receptionist took a call from Sean Penn, who called the main number and uh, wanted to know who was that girl on the show last uh, night. And, uh, <laughs> and it actually helped propel her like to a whole nother level wow. of celebrity. And, and, you know, that's so great. They, you know, this is Sean Penn, by the way. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. in, in fairness, he called like five times. He was a real pest. <laughs> Uh, that masturbating bear <laughs> I must have his number yes I would gauge part of the success of the booking by Conan's reaction when he went over and you could right. tell you know after you work with him for a while you could tell you know it's courteous to everyone mm-hmm. yeah and one of my favorite performances ever on the show uh, was the first time My Morning Jacket was on. Oh, I love that. And they did the song One Big Holiday. Oh. And it ends with this big sort of almost like Skinner, like guitar rave up. And I just right. remember when Conan went over. Of course, he didn't know who they were before. Right. But just him being so blown away. And you could just, yeah. it came through the TV. It was exciting. You know, yeah, yeah. When he when he would get to be surprised by somebody yes. and seeing them for the, and that was always rewarding to me. Yes, it always sure. made me feel great. Like, yeah, oh. you know, you're just reminding me of a, another show that was a big musical event in my memory, which was the last night of the Tonight Show. Oh, which mm-hmm. I haven't thought about in for all sorts of reasons in a long time. Yeah, but there were many musical guests on that show. There were. And cameos, I think. Wasn't there like almost a super band at the end? Yeah, playing, uh... yeah. Well, the music guest first was Neil Young. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which he was, so, you know, you remember that the team, it was the birth of the Team Coco movement and people were so behind mm-hmm. Conan in the Leno situation, in the Tonight Show situation. And Neil was one of them. And we, it was, we were trying to find someone appropriate to do that last show. And, um, and we and we had all this money to spend, so we we kicked we kicked in to a private jet for him. Neil's in Australia. Um, he was in not Hawaii. a problem. <laughs> he was in Hawaii. <laughs> so, oh, is that true? Yeah, oh wow! Kidding. Oh my God, yeah. that's fantastic. So Neil Young flies in, and I, and here was an, it was another Elton John kind of border song situation. I pitched to Elliot Roberts, his late manager. In my initial email to him, I said, what if Neil came on and sang, Long May You Run? And, uh, mm. and Elliot is, you know, I don't know if you really paid attention. The Conan story gets bigger and bigger in the, you know. Elliot calls me back a few days later. He said, you know, I think Neil may do this. He may want to do Long May You Run. <laughs> I was like, what a oh, great wow. idea. <laughs> I suggested it. Damn it. I want my acknowledgement. <laughs> so the rest of the show was actually pretty truncated that night because we had so much music at the end, you know, we had a full music yeah. act and then right. he had to cut off Conan's goodbye. So, uh, <laughs> well, I think Steve Carell did the exit interview thing and, yes. and Hanks was on. And then yeah. anyway, Neil Young is playing long may you run. And this is at the end of a very emotional, I'm standing next to Jeff Ross, like bawling my eyes out. It was pretty emotional. Um, yeah, it was. But then, so right after that, we go to commercial and we come back and, I don't remember honestly, Sweens, where the idea came from, but Will Farrell put together we put together a super group. Right. Mm-hmm. I think it ha- it kind of came together quickly, I yes, think. To perform Free Bird. Right. Um, oh. 
And so we started going out to people with Will doing the vocals. And, right. You know, it could have been just our band, but we ended up with um, Billy Gibbons, Beck, mm-hmm. Ben Harper, mm-hmm. um, Will's wife, who didn't sing, gave birth the next day. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. She was on set next on the set <gasps> next to him. She was holding it in, that whole performance. <laughs> yeah. I've got to get through this. Oh, God damn, this song is so long. <laughs> she was like, yeah. I may yeah. not make it. The Mrs. Van Zandt look, or Ronnie Van Zandt's old lady look, I guess. But uh, yeah. So I did Free Bird, and, and Conan joined them. Right. So it was our band with all those special guests. And I don't even, I don't know if I'm missing anyone, but I think that was it. But it was, wow. It was quite a rave up. Yeah, that was great. The perfect send off. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I have to tell this story about I was in a club in Nashville, the exit in one night, there to see a band. And a guy came up to me, and I had met him before. I had met him when he was on the show, but he said, You know, I was on the show the first year you guys were on with my band. The band didn't even exist anymore. But he said, I just have to thank you. Like, you'll never know how much that meant like to my life and validating me to my family, you know, (laughs) that, that I serious, like my career choice that, I mean, that kind of thing, not like, right. Right. You know, and I think, and I ultimately heard that from a few different people, like just getting that gratitude, that gratitude and, and just showing like, look, what I've been doing isn't a waste of time. It's real. You know, I'm on this TV show. Now I can go become an accountant. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Now I can quit. But but I, I just always found that that story, that moment really touched me because I thought, yeah, you know, we've booked thousands of people and every one of them Mm -hmm. or a large percentage of them was never heard from again. And this was a huge deal in their life, you know? Yeah. This was fantastic. I yeah, love talking. Thank you so much, Jim. Oh, I'm happy to do it. This I'm, was I'm, great. I, I love talking. I'm so proud of the of the Conan legacy and, and everything we did there as a whole show. You but, should you be. know, the music wise, especially for myself. Right. And and it's it's one that people are very fond of. And um Yes. Well, thanks you guys. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, thank you, Jim. And that was Jim Pitt. Our very talented music booker. Yeah, it was great to catch up with him. It was great. He has that encyclopedic memory of all those guests over the years, all those great musical guests. I know. And he actually told us, uh, so if you go to the Team Coco Spotify account, there are year-by-year playlists of the Conan musical guests across the shows. So if you really want to get in there, you could spend many, many hours yeah. Listening to playlists of all the musical guests. Or you could space it out over 28 years if you, want, <laughs> you could. and track it. <laughs> Just one a night. Yeah. That's an amazing resource. So that's a cool way I know. to also see like, oh, you know, when certain bands mm-hmm. were kind of kicking in. Yeah. Or other one hit wonders who <laughs> we never heard from again. <laughs> a few of those as well. Yeah. And we have a, let's do a, a listener question. Yeah. It's so nice to be back with listener questions. This one says, hey, Mike and Jesse, I can't tell you just how thrilled I am to hear that you're back. I was bummed out thinking that the episode with Max might have been the last. Uh, Me too. You see, my father passed away recently and geeking out on back episodes of Inside Conan really helped me during this tough time. I can probably recite verbatim the episodes with Smigel, Stack, and McCann. So you can imagine how overjoyed I was to discover that season three dropped unexpectedly on the 22nd because his service was the very next day. Oh, no. 
Oh, man. Knowing that the show is back helped to keep a smile on my face while grieving. That is so nice. Oh, that's really nice. Thank you. We don't deserve that. No. On a lighter note, I also have two questions for the both of you. Uh-oh. Do you remember the very first content you wrote that made it to air with Conan? And do you remember the very first big laugh and or applause break that came from something you wrote? I really appreciate that he distinguished between having content on the show on. and getting a laugh. Yeah. Yes. That is someone who has a, a true understanding of how harrowing the job can be sometimes. <laughs> this is from Jeff in Ewing, New Jersey. He says, P.S. We like you. Yeah. Thank you, Jeff. That was very sweet. Thank you, Jeff. It was extremely sweet. We like you, and I'm sorry about your father. Sorry about your pappy. Do you remember the first laugh? Or I do, you know, I think I got some little joke on the first day I was there, a piece I did with Jonathan Groff. We were both hired the same day. Mm -hmm. The first piece I remember, you know, and getting a big laugh was a few weeks later. It was um, the OJ trial was going on. That's how long ago uh -huh. this was. And you know, it was just all anyone was talking about on TV, oh, yeah. on different channels. So I did a piece about how all the different channels were trying to cash in on the OJ trial. So I did the Weather Channel covering it. Oh, yeah. You know, in addition to Court TV. And then I did PBS's coverage. And for that, I had the painter Bob Ross the jurors were anonymous, so it was him imagining, you know, make your jurors look any way you want. You know, they're your jurors. You uh -huh. can put this face on this one. Happy and, little accident. And Robert Smigel played Bob Ross, and he did it perfect. He's such a great impressionist. He did a really great job. Yes. And I always remember that. That got a really big laugh when he came on and that yeah. made me very happy. So I always remember that laugh. Oh, that's great. How about you? Well, I don't know about the first joke I got on the show. Right. But I did pitch a desk piece that ended up running for a long time called BuzzFeed's Running Out of Lists. Yes. That was like 17 plates that could be bowls. Right. It was just like weird. And they kind of just became non sequiturs. Yes. Uh, but everyone would write those. And we had accompanying graphics, which was fun for me to put together. Yes. And you would write, you always amaze me because you would add all these little jokes to the graphics that were really funny. <laughs> it was kind of like, you know, we'd suggest to Conan, like, by the way, feel free to like hang out in each graphic because there's funny lines in there if you want to go for extra little laughs, which he started doing, which was great. Yeah, that was, and then it was like pressure because I was like, oh, I got to, now I got to add a joke to everyone. Right. <laughs> you had just started working there and to come up with a refillable desk piece, like something we called a joke bucket where you could do the piece once a month and always come up with new jokes for it. That was like such a big score for a writer on a late night show. And you did it right away. Well, I was so glad. I was so relieved because I, I think I'd been there for a few weeks before I pitched that and yeah. hadn't gotten anything on yet. Right. And then that happened. And I was like, oh, thank uh, God. Uh -huh. I know. I, I can relax until tomorrow. <laughs> no. And then, of course, you mentioned the negative of that is like, then you have to keep running it. And, right. and, and, you know, the fifth time you're like, Oh, not this again. This I know. Right. But it was fine. I always loved anything that other writers could contribute jokes for. Cause yes. it just felt like, Oh, these are, you know, other people's 
jokes were always making me laugh harder than my my jokes would make me laugh. Yes. That's why they call them joke buckets, because mm-hmm. it was literally like, everyone, you know, send in your jokes. And, yeah. And, you know, when we get to Pour like- some jokes in the bucket. 15 of them. I don't know if we've talked about this. We'd always go in and rehearse mm-hmm. with more beats than we- Like, normally we'd do like, I don't know, 9 to 12 maybe on the show. Yeah. And so we'd go in with like- what, 15 to 20? Yes. You wanted wiggle room to cut. Right. So that Conan could make some decisions out there too. Yes. That was a learning curve. Like early on, we normally do 12 beats and we're rehearsing 13 beats. And oh, he yeah. would bristle immediately, like, just like, oh, okay. Um, mm-hmm. Fine. Didn't yeah, have I guess time you guys. To write more. Yeah. Right. You didn't have time <laughs> to like, all right. I guess you thought this is all we need. This is the perfect batch. <laughs> and you're just like, oh, God. Oh, no. no. One thing that you taught me about was how to put, because I, as the writer of one of those joke buckets, you'd also right. have to put put them together in an order. You have to pick an order. That's such an art. And I, I don't know if I ever really fully figured it out, but it's almost like putting an order together of a of songs on an album or something where it's like, <laughs> right. you need to start out really strong, but you don't want, right. you save the best one for last. Yes. But then you also don't want to have jokes that are too similar in the middle. You don't want it to drag. So it's kind of, right. there's a real method. And and your favorite ones that you know all the writers will like in rehearsal are usually not going to be crowd favorites. Right. You right. put those kind of in the middle. Mm-hmm. So, cause you don't want to put, you don't want to put the weird ones too early because the, you want to get the crowd on board. Like you want it, the piece to be doing well yeah. before you go off into the, into crazy the weird land. Ones. Yeah. Right. And then if there's anything sexual, it's like, that's probably going to go at the end. Cause people are going right. to go. Oh, exactly. Yeah. And always you wanted joke number three was usually you want an anchor. Like that should be a really strong joke too. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. There's so many times where the third beat would get nothing. And it's just like, oh, uh, oh no. We're, we're done for. Yeah. <laughs> and Conan would just, he'd look up, <laughs> just stare at the camera like, oh, I can't believe I have to keep going. <laughs> I have 15 more beats of this. Yep. Yep. yep yeah. Yep. Uh, well, Jeff, thank you so much. It's awesome to hear from all of you. Thank you, Jeff. If you are out there and have a question for us, you can email us at insideconanpod at gmail.com. Or leave us a voicemail. We, we get some choice voicemails mm-hmm. at 323-209-5303. Yeah, and if you want to link to that um, Spotify playlist of all the Conan musical guests, that is in our show notes. All right. And that's it for us this week. We'll see you next week. I don't know what would keep me away. Wild horses. Mm. We like you. Inside Conan, an important Hollywood podcast, is hosted by Mike Sweeney and me, Jesse Gaskell. Produced by Sean Doherty. Our production coordinator is Lisa Byrne. Executive produced by Joanna Solotaroff, Adam Sachs, and Jeff Ross at Team Coco. Engineered and mixed by Will Beckton. Our talent bookers are Gina Batista and Paula Davis. Thanks to Jimmy Vivino for our theme music and interstitials. You can rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. And of course, please subscribe and tell a friend to listen to Inside Conan on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or whatever platform you like best. 
It's the Conan Show. Put on your hat. It's the Conan Show. Try on some spats. You're gonna have a laugh. Give birth to a calf. It's Conan. This has been a Team Coco production. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at the coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com.